0: Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Today is episode 48 titled, A Man with a Withered Hand. Today's another example of Jesus Christ going toe-to-toe with the Pharisees. And of course, Jesus, yet again, catches static from the Pharisees for aiming at the good and mitigating suffering. Matthew chapter 12, verse 9 through 14 says, He went on from there and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand, And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. He said to them, Which one of you who has sheep, if it falls into the pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and it was restored, healthy just like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him on how to destroy him. So here we see that the Pharisees were trying to set Jesus up by asking a question that could potentially trap him. And the attempt was so they could accuse him. And of course, Jesus perfectly navigates the water as he does all the other situations that are similar in Scripture. He knows exactly what to say. To prove that they're wrong, to demonstrate the truth, and it irritates them because they're hypocrites. The the sheep example was perfect because back in that time, they were agriculturalists. Now, of course, we still have agriculturalists these days, but sheep were kind of like a form of currency, right? You could get clothing from it as well. It's a resource, right? And of course, you can eat it as well. So after he used the sheep analogy, he followed that up with a miracle. And it was the, the totality of how that played out that just irritated the Pharisees to conspire against him and to try to kill him. So um, amazing performance by Jesus Christ, as always. It's incredible. There's so many situations in scripture where he says something and I'm like, man, he's just brilliant, well, of course, because he's God, right? So let's uh, touch on some commentaries now. This is the following information was taken from St John of Chrysostom, his commentary. And for those of you who don't know, St John Chrysostom was an early church father and archbishop. Again on the Sabbath he performed a healing, defending himself on behalf of the disciples' activities. The Lucan Gospel writer says that he made the man stand in the middle and asked him if it was allowed, excuse me, if it was allowed to do good on the Sabbath. Note well the Lord's goodness of heart. He made him stand in the middle so that he might bend them to his vision, so that by being overcome by the sight, they might reject wickedness, and in pitying the man, they might cease from their savage behavior. But the wild and misanthropic men chose rather to distract Christ from his teachings than to see this man saved. Thus, the other gospel writers say that Jesus asked questions. But this author says that he was asked questions, and they questioned him, is it allowed to heal on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. It is likely that both events happened, for since they were brutal and saw that Jesus would come at any rate to heal them, they were eager to preoccupy him with questions, resolving to hinder him. Therefore, they asked, is it allowed to heal on the Sabbath, not so that they might learn, but so that excuse me but so they might bring charges against him and indeed the act was sufficient if they wished to persecute him or prosecute him but through his words they wished to find an excuse for prosecution by preparing beforehand for themselves an abundance of arguments and he made the stand he, and he made the man stand in the middle not because Jesus feared them but because he was eager to help them and draw them to his mercy so there's something. There's a reason John the Baptist and Jesus both call the Pharisees a brood of vipers. So as you can see, the way that John Chrysostom goes through the different Gospels, there are these little series of traps. Sometimes they asked him questions. Sometimes they would try to distract him, to prevent him. It's like everything was motivated and strategic, but it wasn't motivated and strategic to bring honor and glory to God. It was kind of like their own agenda in some sense. And I think St. John of Chrysostom did a great job capturing the whole reason Jesus held the man on the Sabbath. The purpose was to display mercy and to help try to draw others to his mercy. And here's where we have an issue when we're reading stories about the Pharisees. Many people have a misguided understanding regarding what the issue was with the Pharisees. Legalism wasn't the issue. Hypocrisy, disobedience, and not capturing the intent behind the law were the issues. The Pharisees made sure to criticize others and tie up the yoke of all 613 laws. However, they did it from a hypocritical position and they did not strive to adhere by the same yoke and they would act wholly in public. So it's like it was all about the self in some sense. Selfishness and pride was what kind of drove the three issues, hypocrisy, disobedience, and missing the intent of the law. So, of course, these weren't all of the issues. Jesus goes through later in the Gospel of Matthew as well in other places the seven woes. So he basically goes with a fine-tooth comb through all of the pathology of the Pharisees and he says it right to them. I mean, it was brilliant. And we'll get to that. But the Pharisees did not live by the same standards that they taught. Now, certainly, certainly there must have been some or a few who were genuine and authentic, not to say that they were perfect, but there's situations in Acts where people in the Sanhedrin, even though many people were upset, there was a gesture of grace showed because they wanted to see if the apostles were really ministering on behalf of God. So not everybody was a brood of vipers, but certainly it would be fair to say that the majority of them were. Now, hypocrisy is telling others to do something that someone isn't willing to do, right? So that's what they did. They tied up the yoke on others, but they weren't obedient themselves. Another form of hypocrisy is claiming to believe something and rejecting the teachings of that very thing. And I hate to say that. I'm not casually criticizing all Christians at all. However, there is something pathological going on with this prosperity gospel, and there's an inherent selfishness, and there's a lot of misunderstandings in the prosperity gospel, and I personally have seen people call themselves Christians and reject the teachings in Scripture. So in some sense, that would be like a a, a modern-day Pharisee as an outgrowth of Christian doctrine, or I should say as a as a perversion of Christian doctrine in some sense. You know, when you show somebody in the Bible and they just completely reject it, but they say Jesus is Lord, there's some hypocrisy in there that has to be worked through right so if we're going to call ourselves christians we have to investigate scripture and learn and update our minds which was what repentance is so repentance is this ongoing learning process to learn scripture now that's not all that repentance is it's threefold but part of repentance is updating our minds when we read scripture so what we see tying back into the pharisees what we kind of saw is they were showing grace for themselves because they were in the seat of Moses, but they didn't live out the way they were supposed to live. That was the hypocrisy. They sat in the seat of Moses, but they didn't live it out the way they should have. Another issue worth noting regarding the Pharisees was their failure to capture the intent of the law. This is where some people use the claim regarding legalism about the Pharisees. People claim that legalism was the issue with the Pharisees, but I don't think that's a good way to look at it because the issue is that they were hypocrites, not that they were legalistic and strictly obedient, right? Jesus called them hypocrites. So there's a contradiction in there that Christ saw. Now, what to me, what really seemed to happen was that they were missing God's intent behind the law. So that's an intention issue. That's a heart issue. So you can be obedient all day and there can be some heart issues let's say if you're doing it just to get into heaven like a check in the box to get into heaven i would i would reinvestigate the intentions behind what you're doing right now if your goal is to abide in christ's love and to honor and glorify him as a christian well then i'd say your heart's where it needs to be but obedience still plays a role but again legalism i don't think is the right way to view the issue with the Pharisees because of that hypocrisy. Now, the whole pur- pur- uh, purpose of any rules that are established by God is to establish godly order and establish peace, but not in the face of sin or pathology. So, God is absolutely a God of peace, but not with sin. And we know this because Jesus was not peaceful with the Pharisees. He constantly rebuked them when they were out of line. So, God is a God of peace regarding godly order established god is not a god of peace in face of wickedness lawlessness and pathology that is not the case at all so an important thing to understand is that grace is given to us not to remain pathological and sinful grace is offered for our improvement and obedience and to tie that back into the pharisees jesus tells us that the weightier matters of the law are justice mercy and faithfulness So the obedience that that the Pharisees should have had and the grace they should have offered others for their improvement should have been centered around justice, mercy, and faithfulness. So rather than, look at me, I'm a holy Pharisee, it would be, hey, we need to be faithful to our Lord, right? Because it's all about Him. The final issue worth going over regarding the Pharisees is that they thought they were holy, because they were given the law and because they sat in the seat of Moses. So imagine thinking that you can inherit your holiness. <laughs> I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be a smart but here, but imagine, imagine Billy Graham's, well not Billy Graham. Let's use an early church father. Let's just talk about Augustine of Hippo. Imagine the children of Augustine of Hippo saying, I'm righteous because my father was Augustine of Hippo. It's like Okay, what does that have to do with you robbing the people at the market? Obviously you're not righteous because you just look what you just did. So repent, right? So that the the issue we can't inherit righteousness from anybody other than Jesus Christ. He propitiates that righteousness and offers atonement for our sins through the grace of God only. So nobody's holy because they've received anything. And we know this because people may say, Well, I'm I'm holy because I've received Jesus. It's like, well, hold on a second. What do you mean by receive Jesus exactly? What do you mean by receive the gospel exactly? Because there are warnings about this very thing in scripture. The brother of Jesus tells us, but be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving yourselves. That's James chapter one, verse 22. So here James is telling us that being hearers of the good news or hearers of Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior, it doesn't do anything unless action and obedience are a part of it as well. So if we're going to call ourselves Christians, we need to be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving ourselves. So as you can tell, the Pharisees deceive themselves. They deceived themselves because they thought they were holy through hearing and observing and sitting in the seat of Moses. So let's summarize today and bring it to a close. Number one, the Pharisees were always trying to trap Jesus. And we'll see that continue to play out. Number two, even though they were trying to trap Jesus, Jesus was still trying to teach them. In all of their stubbornness, and all of their hypocrisy, He was still trying to teach them. Number three, the purpose of the law is justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Okay? That's the purpose. Now, number four, last summary. We should strive to be doers of the law, not hearers only deceiving ourselves. Okay, And the laws that we are to uphold are the Ten Commandments, the Law of Christ, and the Law of Liberty. Okay, So yes, we're not under every single 613 Mosaic laws, but we are under the Ten Commandments, the Law of Christ, and the Law of Liberty. And we know this because in the New Testament, the young rich man came to Jesus Christ and asked Him, what must I do to inherit the Kingdom of Heaven? And Jesus says, you have to keep the commandments. Well, that's right out of the Lord's mouth. So for anybody to think that the Ten Commandments are not a requirement to get into heaven, they obviously don't understand the teachings of Jesus Christ because he says it verbatim. Now, the law of Christ is, excuse me, I apologize. It's um, love, faith, and morality. So we have to love God first with all of our heart, mind, and soul, We have to learn to love ourselves properly first, then we can love others the way I love ourselves, right? So the first commandment, love God first with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then the second one, it's like the task you have is to learn how to love yourself properly so you can love others properly, okay? So you can't just go around loving others if you haven't sorted out how to love yourself properly, okay? So that's that's vital, And the last law that we're under is the law of liberty, and that is to do what we should do, not what we want to. Okay, so let's talk about something really quick. In our Constitution, it says every single person has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay, so that's where where I see people who are Christians kind of create arguments, is that last part's a hang-up. Now... If you look at the Christian roots of our our government, it wasn't to invite chaos, pathology, and wickedness into the world. So when they said the pursuit of happiness, there was an injunction in there, ethical happiness, because the cornerstones of our country has has its roots in Christian principles. So when we look at the law of liberty... It's not the pursuit of happiness. It's to do what we should do, not what we want to do. So it's, it's something akin to ethical and moral responsibilities that we should be shouldering. Okay? Now that's all we have for today, folks. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.